0: Recently, I kind of want to keep the trend going. You ever had pierogies, man?
1: Not in a long time, but I know exactly what they are, and they're pretty good. It's pretty freaking fantastic.
0: dude! I went to a Polish village in Cleveland, got some real ones. Bueno. Muy bueno. <laughs> they mix it with some kielbasa, some sauerkraut. It's good living. Approved. <laughs> This is episode 104 of the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. You don't get to be big dudes without eating a whole lot of kielbasa. So it is what it is. Going to get a little taste of it. (laughs) just (laughs) happens sometimes. Uh, Bug's not with us today. He is on the move. Changing locations. We talked about it a little bit last episode. Moving to Missouri. Uh, Pretty nice. Better than New Mexico. Facts. But I do have Tug with me over here. How you doing? Hey,
1: man? I'm doing good, dude. I'm doing good. It's glad to be back on the show. I should be here a bit more consistently, uh, at least for the next month or so. It's not good enough, man.
0: Those are rookie numbers. We Get those numbers up.
1: Look, you can call <laughs> Uncle Sam and you can tell him exactly what you want my schedule to be. And he's not going to listen.
0: But well, I'm the taxpayer. You work for me. <laughs> kind of. I wish. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we got a got a full show ahead of us. Uh, once again, though, not a whole lot really happening in the NFL. Just kind of the season progressing as normal. All the big news happened in college, so another college-heavy show in front of us, probably. But you know, out of the conference championship games now, should be should be gearing up for the NFL playoffs pretty soon.
1: You know, every time I think that we're finally getting out of the college news cycle, specifically with coaches, there's another slew of moves that open up way more questions than they've answered. And um, I think we have that on tap for the show today.
0: Yeah, a lot of people were saying 2021 is going to be a pretty crazy time for the coaching carousel. It
1: has been so far, and
0: it it will be again. I mean, gosh, we're only getting started. So yep. guess let's dive on in. Let's do it. Uh, so, we'll starting out with the news, a little bit on the NFL to get us started, though. NFL's projected to take a huge bite out of the available salary cap in 2022, according to the CBA. Looks like we're going up all the way to $208 million. Pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it's nuts, considering last year they dropped down to the 180 range, wherever it's at now. Uh, I think it's like 185.2. Uh, or 182.5. Either way, massive jump here going to the $208.2 million, uh, which represents a 14% increase from what it was last year. Uh, and then on top of that, I believe it also maxes out what the salary cap can be in accordance with the CBA. So what this tells us is the NFL made a boatload of money this year that they're willing to allocate that much more to the players, um, and even further, it tells us that there's probably going to be a lot of money thrown around in free agency this year.
0: That'd be exciting. Well, ha- we will have a huge breakdown of who's going to be available in free agency as we get closer to that date. We have a long way to go before that we get there, though. Uh, nice. Still, what like five, six weeks left in the regular season, I and mean, this is this is getting to the crunch time, though. Got to gear up for the playoffs, man. Getting serious. So, speaking of playoffs, college football playoff is ready to go. We have our seeds, just as Bug predicted last show. One seed, Bama, against the four seed, Cincinnati. And the team up north will be playing Georgia, two versus three.
1: I understand it. You know, I don't love it. It is what it is. I mean, we'll get... To this later too when we do our rankings, but these are the four best teams, even for our rankings in the nation. I have no real issues with it. I don't like the seating personally, but ultimately, it breaks out how it breaks out. Hell, I even think the matchups would have been the same if they even were just transitioned to to our, our rankings. I mean, no. Our ranking is Georgia's still number one.
0: So, well, a lot of things change. <laughs> I guess let's go ahead and talk about it, since you're talking about it. Uh, our final BDT Trench Ratings after Conference Championship Week had Georgia at 1, uh, team up north at 2, Cincinnati at 3, and Alabama at 4, even after winning. Pretty interesting. Alabama has had a lot of close games. They have not looked good at times this season. It really hurts them for our rating system. At the same time, I kind of appreciate Alabama at number one right now. You have to do a little bit of a combination of factors here. It can't just be stats, the way the trench ratings work. It does have to be a little bit of what you've proved on the field, what have you shown me recently,
1: and beating Georgia 41-24. Yeah, go ahead and move them up. More More importantly, even just aside from that, like you said, beyond stats, beyond, you know, not even including the eye test, but beyond just the stats, head-to-head has to mean something. Uh, so in this case, with the way our rankings work out, I understand George has been playing the best, um, and they've had the best season, you know, statistically. But when you drop that head-to-head, I'm I would have been fine putting, you know, since he won that team number two, um, Alabama at three, Michigan at or uh, Georgia at four, in in that sense. Right, I'm okay with that to keep the integrity, but I'm also not upset the way this this ended up playing out.
0: It is what it is, to some extent. I mean, I would much rather have seen the All SEC semifinal instead of potentially gearing up for another All SEC championship game. <sighs> Until we expand the playoff, there's kind of no way to avoid this, though. It
1: feels like. Not with the way that the committee is able to basically work the rankings in their favor to basically put teams where they want to, right? The fact that they don't consider where teams were ranked when they played, but instead consider them where they have them in their current ranking system,
0: is an excuse to say, "Hey, this team's over
1: overinflated." But because of that, I'm using it to justify, you know, this team being here. We've said this how many times this year that we think that the SEC is overrepresented in the CFP top 25. And it all it does is ends up benefiting the SEC this time of year.
0: At the same time, these are the four best teams. So
1: no, absolutely. Yeah. This, This instance, I don't have an issue with it. This was a hard earned playoff berth for all of these teams. They've all played well all year. Statistically, they are the top four teams in the nation. So I really can't complain about it. I did like that. Our
0: ratings and the committee's rankings have the same number five and number six, Notre Dame, Ohio State in that order. Uh, They have a couple other power five teams up there in the top ten, though, that we don't necessarily. That's kind of the specialty of the BDT Trench Ratings. Show a little bit of love to Louisiana
1: and to UTSA that the committee will just never do in a million years. A group of five win is weighted the same as a power five win. The only thing that's not weighted the same is an FCS win.
0: Which, you know, they have the same amount of scholarships. It should be the same, but it's not because NCAA hates, you know, logic. No, no, the
1: NCAA loves money.
0: That's more accurate. Thank you.
1: Let's make it more optimistic. It's about the money, not about what we hate. It's about what we love.
0: Gross. Gross. So there we have a whole lot of other bowl games as well this year We will be picking a winner for each of the bowl games as they happen Bowl season doesn't start for another little bit yet This coming Saturday is Army-Navy And then after that we will start to get into some bowl season There's an extra bowl this year
1: Because (laughs) they had too many teams meet the requirement Because the requirement is too low Yeah,
0: so somehow, some way, you have the Frisco Bowl, which has already existed, and then the new bowl this year is the Frisco Classic, which makes no sense to me. Why would Uh the original not be the Classic? Anyway, (laughs) it was the way to get uh, Hawaii and Memphis into a bowl that they technically earned, but kind of didn't really, so... You know,
1: I the worst would part be... is Go ahead. As you say, the worst part is there was one team that went over like so it was like an odd number of teams that went six, six and six, which means because they added a new bowl, a five and 17 had to get into. And I'm like, guys.
0: Incorrect. Hawaii's six and seven because the Hawaii exemption. Uh, so that that's, they that's technically right. That's one. Right. They won six games.
1: It doesn't say you uh, have to be five hundred, it says you have to win six games. So <laughs> I I've had my session, my my stitch and bitch about this about this system and I still hate it. I don't like it. I understand, again, it's about the money, but it frustrates
0: me to no end. At the same time, especially considering last year when we very nearly never had football, getting some football on T V is much better than having Insert random other show here. So,
1: maybe they do suck. (laughs) At the same time. I'm just tired of the 60-plus I-don't-give-a-shit bowls. Well, you know, you don't have to watch them if you don't want to. But we're going to watch them because we're the BDT podcast. Hold on, did you see what time South Carolina's bowl game is? No. I'm pulling up the actual bowl name, but hold on one second. South
0: Carolina's playing North Carolina in the bowl, too. It should be pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. So, uh, let's see. They're playing in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which is at 6.15, which is playing at 6.15 in the morning. Good. So, you're right. I will not watch that bowl. I am not waking up at 4.15 to watch an Eastern Time game.
0: I mean, you're lost, dude. Instead of Gatorade, they're going to pour mayonnaise on the winning coach. I
1: was just going to say that. I kind of hope so. I kind of hope that's the thing. You know how disgusting that would look?
0: (laughs) How disgusting it would smell. (laughs) You're just
1: holding the Gatorade container upside down, and it's just slowly coming out. (laughs) You hear an audible. So we
0: also have uh, Heisman finalists announced. The winner will be broadcast live. The ceremony will be broadcast live on ESPN after the Army-Navy game this coming Saturday. And uh, we have four finalists. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Kenny Pickett, and Aiden Hutchinson. Now, the obvious favorite is Bryce Young because he won the last two games. (laughs) So... Fair is fair, I guess. I
1: do like the I, defensive lineman got invited. You don't At like the school that he's from, right? <laughs> um, I will say, I I think you're right. I think Bryce Young has this wrapped up. Uh, for much the same reason that I said last week. Granted, I know you said most most ballots are submitted before the SEC championship game, but any that were outstanding, I. Don't know how they didn't go for Bryce Young, who reset yet again the SEC championship game record for yards. Um, right. It's the second year in a row this has happened. Uh Thanks but, Alabama. Yeah, but damn. I Against the nation's, arguably the nation's top defense. Not according to the BDT stats, but according to everyone else, it was the top defense in the nation up until that point.
0: So that's it for the rest of everything going on. Let's talk about some coaching news now, because the coaching carousel is in full swing. Getting crazy. I think it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely moving faster than I thought it would have been. Usually this is where the coaching carousel starts to like, you know, kind of slow down just a little bit. And this is just a different level, man. I know
0: we still have some big time jobs to fill as well. So (laughs) not the least of which being Oregon. (laughs) <laughs> who just lost their head coach to Miami. Miami fired Manny Diaz this morning as we're recording this and then announced that they hired Mario Cristobal like a couple of hours later. So they've
1: been working on this deal for a little while. Oh, it wasn't even in private. Right. I've been following this since, I think, Thursday or Friday of last week, and I, I was telling you guys, like, hey, Cristobal's going to Miami. Like, this... It right. wasn't a done deal at the time, but all signs were pointing that way. Part of me feels bad for Manny Diaz because they were hiring his replacement as he was still the coach. They want to make sure they got him before they fired Diaz, which I understand. I also but I feel bad for him. But at the same time, dude, you saw the season you had. You had to expect this was coming.
0: Right, for sure. And it is a little bit of a homecoming for Chris ball. Born and raised in Miami ended up playing for the U as an offensive lineman and started his coaching career there as an assistant from 04 to 06. Now, Miami is also in the market for an athletic director. The current target there is Clemson's athletic director, which sounds crazy, but hear me out. He's also from Miami, went to school at Miami and started his career at Miami. So very possible. They're going to be getting two very established names in the business coming to the U here, which would certainly shake things up in ACC.
1: So so hear me out, because I am very entwined in the Miami Twitterverse, um, mostly because I follow the Dolphins. But a lot of those beat reporters are the same for the Hurricanes and for the Dolphins. Right. The signs are looking very good that this hire is going to happen. Kind of the same theme of, it sounds like terms are agreed to, they're just waiting on timelines. This is a very high possibility that Miami steals and poaches Clemson's uh, AD here moving forward, which would make this an absolute home run of a coaching carousel move for, for the University of Miami. It's also pretty wild to think. He has been the
0: athletic director at Clemson for nine years. He's basically seen the entire transformation of Clemson the joke to Clemson the repeat national champions and perennial Heisman History. contenders and all this sort of deal. Pretty crazy.
1: History may not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And like you said, he transitioned Clemson from the joke to one of the perennial favorites in college football. Let's just go ahead and admit the truth here. And the Hurricanes are currently a joke. It, within college football. So the... The stars are aligned for this. I, I think this hire is going to go through.
0: So let's talk about Oregon for just a bit. They have a head coaching and offensive coordinator position that they need to fill. The head coach is going to be fascinating because they are looking at either bringing back Chip Kelly from UCLA, maybe they're looking at Brian Harrison, who has only had one year at Auburn, but was it Boise State before that from the area, was a coordinator at Oregon before he went to Boise State. Even, like, he has some real ties there. Maybe he does want to leave Auburn, even after just one season. There are plenty of options for Oregon. It's not like they're going to fall off the map here. But really wild. They're down basically <laughs> the two probably biggest pieces of our coaching staff.
1: Just out of nowhere. Can. Can we get crazy here? Can we get real crazy here? Tony oh, Elliott God. is the name being tossed around for Oregon's head coaching job. Can we just watch the absolute demise of Clemson in one season? In one offseason? Jolly.
0: That'd be, that'd be juicy. <laughs> and,
1: and and the timing is perfect for it, too. They had it down here at Clemson this year. All these head coaching jobs are opening up. Dude, the the timing is absolutely perfect for, for Tony Elliott. And I'll lead us into our next story, Brent Venables, to sit there and say, hey, it's time for me to go take over my own team. I don't know where you're getting the extra R from, but yeah, Brent
0: Venables. I'm sorry. <laughs> we talked about this as a possibility, and it didn't seem like a very realistic one, just because he's been the coordinator at Clemson for so long. Why not take another job if you're going to take one? Which I totally understood what your point was when we were talking about this. At the same time, this felt like a really obvious move if it were offered. Apparently, it was offered. And yeah, Brian Venables, your new head coach of Oklahoma.
1: And apparently the entire state of Oklahoma is... Ecstatic? In in party mode right now. Yeah, absolutely ecstatic. Um, Because there are now billboards down to Oklahoma City from Norman that are like, hey, we have our new coach. It's Brent Venables.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's fantastic they finally have a defensive guy because
1: we needed that. And we were talking about this as another reason why this is a good hire, too, is not only is he a successful defensive coordinator, he was a successful defensive coordinator with a history of beating SEC teams in games that mattered. Right. I honestly don't know if there is a better hire for Oklahoma for this transition to the SEC. I mean, hopefully he works out there. It does seem like a pretty fantastic hire.
0: So we'll see how that works out. And yeah, if Tony Elliott leaves too, that's huge because that's been Clemson's coaching staff for the last six, seven years. So pretty crazy. Hey, maybe Dabo Sweeney ends up at, like, Virginia. (laughs) Jesus. Um, Do have another hire here, Troy, as a new head coach. They hired Kentucky's co-defensive coordinator, John Sumrall. He was a linebacker coach and special teams coordinator for Troy, 2015 to 2018. Before taking that co-defensive coordinator job at Kentucky, he will stay with Kentucky through their bowl game which I appreciate. Thank you, John Summerall, for doing the right thing
1: for once. Man, I, I can't say it enough. I respect the the hell out of John Summerall for this because I absolutely despise the way the college football coaching carousel goes. I understand why it is the way that it is. That does not change my disdain for it. Um, it's all about recruiting in that sense, but I, I appreciate you saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to stick with my team at least through a bowl game, finish the season out, and then I'm going to go accept my job.
0: One name that was in the hat
1: for that Virginia job I just talked
0: about, Mike Houston out of East Carolina, has accepted a contract extension he will be with East Carolina through 2026. Or at least that's what the contract says, which sure is pretty juicy buyout in there if he does want to move on. So pretty awesome there to see East Carolina Having some success for the first time in a while, and keeping their guy. One last head coaching piece to talk about here. Go down to the FCS for a second, because Presbyterian's head coach resigned after just one year with the team. This is the guy who never punts. <laughs> fun fact: By records. the end of the, I
1: was gonna say, fun fact: By the end of the year, he had started to punt multiple times in a game. Right,
0: right, because he realized that doesn't work. In college, Uh, he was a nine-time high school state champion before trying to take on a college job. Uh, Presbyterian had some crazy offensive games to start the season, and then, wow, they were still losing. So, need to actually
1: play football a little bit. That'd be good. They won the first two games and then lost the last nine. Yeah. So, he's gone. Uh, (laughs) It was a fun experiment, I I guess. I I will say he did pull out some interesting statistics with it. And I don't mean like the obscene amount of passing yards and stuff his team is putting out. I'm not talking about the fourth down conversions. I'm saying that, hey, if you're beyond your 30 30 yard line, there might be something worth going for. Obviously not if you're inside your own twenty. Right there, there might be some benefit if you're fourth and short to going for it a little more often. Not saying that is your entire coaching game plan of, hey, we're never going to punt. But it does raise some questions on, hey, what more can we actually do? Because statistically, when they've done the statistics out, you do score more points when you don't punt. You have the ball longer. That's how it works. But to do that, you need to convert them then to prevent them from scoring, you need to give your defense a little bit of breathing room. And, you know, may, maybe maybe now I don't punt it for my 45-yard line if I'm a coach. Maybe now I'm looking at, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try this one. Maybe. It, it brings out some interesting points that way.
0: The analytics have said to do that for a long time. You know, if if a coach is going to change his ways now, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't put too much faith in changing your ways because of a guy who went two and nine.
1: No, no, And I'm not saying I'm not expecting your, your old hats to, to take this up. I'm not expecting your Davos, your Nick, Nick Sabans. I'm not expecting your Ryan Daisy to, to take this up. It might not be this generation of coaching, but what this guy did can definitely have long reaching effects into the next generation of coaching and risk takers. It, It's worth the conversation. I'm still, you guys have heard me, every situation is very dependent on what's going on. Every decision is very dependent on that situation. It just brings in a little bit more thought into the mix rather than just saying, oh, it's, you know, fourth and one on my 44, I'm going to punt it. Now it's, uh, maybe I go for it. Depending on the situation.
0: I think that about does it for the news. Well, actually, take that back. You do have another. I was all ready to move on, and I realized, I realized I have, like, two more hires to talk about here. So, let's talk about Colorado State. Uh, Steve Adasio was fired after two seasons there. I believe Bug and I talked about that on the last show. They do have a new head coach now, Jay Norvell, coming over from Nevada. Pretty interesting. Kind of a lateral move there, you would think, staying in the conference. Colorado State's got a pretty good market, though. Pretty big, you know, recruiting ground, I guess you could say. Uh, A little less out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) So, kind of understand it from that point of view. Jay Norvell wasn't a conversation for some Pac-12 jobs. This is kind of the next step, though. I understand it. And glad to see him moving up in the world, especially after what he was able to do, making Nevada really a pretty fun offense to watch. And then Louisiana has a new head coach. They lost Billy Napier after back-to-back conference titles and, like, the two most successful seasons in Louisiana history. He goes to Florida, but they have an internal promotion. Former co-offensive coordinator Michael Gosh, this is a, this is a Louisiana name. (laughs) Desermo? Desormo? (laughs) Yeah, so.
1: Why do we have to, why can't we just put an O? Why does it have to be an EAUX?
0: Because why not?
1: (laughs) I'm going to go with Desormo.
0: It's not delivery, it's Desormo.
1: <laughs> I was, I was still low key hoping that what this actually was was an internal hire, and they hired Cocho. You know, internal to the state of Louisiana, it, w- it would have worked. Look, dude, he cannot legally accept a job not in Louisiana because nobody else can understand him.
0: He literally said multiple times he wants to retire. Let the man go in
1: peace. And Brian Kelly literally said three hours before he left for LSU that he was the coach well, of Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's an asshat. It's Coach O. I don't know what the difference you're drawing is.
0: Oh, Mark Stoops signed an extension. I don't know if we talked about this last episode. Probably did. Yeah, yeah we did. We did. All right, cool. I mean, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I think that's it this time, for real. Okay, good. So we had the conference championship games, and we had a whole other round of the FCS playoffs. So we have plenty of things to talk about of the games that just happened. Like we did last episode, we're going to go in alphabetical order of the conference, talk about the game a little bit briefly. You know, I picked awfully. I went three and seven, so
1: we're not going to dwell too much on that. <laughs> I didn't pick any, so I went o and o. Better than me.
0: <laughs> uh, first said. up is the ACC. Wake Forest couldn't keep up with Pitt. I was right about that one. The defense was a little bit too much for Wake Forest. Pitt got the better of them. Wins the ACC. And now they're going to get the Patton Narduzzi Bowl, former defensive coordinator at Michigan State, for like eight years before taking the head coaching job at Pitt. So they're going to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. Pretty interesting matchup. There, you know, I was kind of rooting for Wake Forest a little bit, but Pitt's had a pretty great season as well. And Kenny Pickett coming up out of nowhere like he has for most people, you know, that's pretty fun to
1: see. No, I'm happy for Pitt. You know, their long strive to get back to relevance was finally realized this year. Granted, it was due to a Clemson down year for the most part, but hey, they play their hearts out and they... They earned this win, so I have no complaints here.
0: Cincinnati finishes 13-0 and with a win over Houston. This is their, what, goodness, uh, 25th, 24th win in the last two years, uh, going whatever, 24, I think, and one in that time. That one being a three-point loss to Georgia in the Beach Bowl in a fantastic game. Maybe we'll get something similar to you know coming up in the playoffs they have to play Alabama. I can't see it being as much of a cakewalk as everyone's going to try to predict that it is or ESPN's going to chill
1: for. <laughs> Cincinnati is a well-built team. Um, you know, and and we've seen it for years. Teams going, "We want Bama. We want Bama." And then they get Bama and they get blown out. I think Cincinnati might be the one team this year that can sit there and say, we want Bama and actually, you know, hold with them for most of the game. Alabama is not the, the talent pool that it was last year. Yes, they still have talent. Yes. They're still a really good team this is not the level that they were last year. It It's not Cincinnati is the level they were last year. And they're even better than that because they returned most of their starters, that's going to be a really good game. I'm excited. I'm glad to see a group of five team in the college football playoff, and I'm excited to see what Cincinnati does with this. The Big Ten
0: finished in uh, <laughs> a resounding blowout. Iowa, Iowa didn't. Just know there was a game.
1: Keep up at all. Ever they, they had no idea there was a game.
0: Right. Reviews to play. So that happened. The Big Twelve Which...
1: also happened with. Oh, I feel so bad for the for the for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Yeah, I feel so bad.
0: But you know what? Baylor stopped them. So
1: Baylor earned that win. Don't get me wrong. Oklahoma State had no business being that close to a win. At the end of that game, you don't get to throw four interceptions and somehow hope to win a game. That's just not how that typically works. That being said, after this game was over. Somebody took the shot of the um, Friday Night Lights scene after they didn't make that two-point conversion in their game, and they put it over uh, the Oklahoma State running back reaching for the goal line, and that just hit different, man. That was just brutal. But at the same time, that play on both sides of the ball is what every kid dreams about, more so for Baylor's defense because they made the stop. But, you know, championship game, game's on the line, fourth and goal. Time's basically expiring. It wasn't fully expired, but that is the situation that every every kid, every player dreams about being in.
0: And like we said on the last episode, it's hard to beat a team twice in the same season. So Baylor gets their revenge, and the Big 12 title will go with it. Pretty awesome reward for the Bears there. Conference USA. UTSA beat up on Western Kentucky a little bit there. Uh, Offense certainly showed up for Western Kentucky, as they always do. Defense didn't show up for Western Kentucky, again, as they always do. UTSA was able to outlast a pretty explosive passing attack there for the Hilltoppers. And wrap up what has been an incredible turnaround for UTSA. I'm talking like it wasn't that long ago they won one, two games a year, and we had said they were on the rise here, they're coming, give it another year, give it another year, and then boom, here it is.
1: Pretty fantastic season for the Runners. Dude, Jeff Trailer is an absolute mastermind down there, and I'm excited to see what he does here moving forward into the next few seasons. Pretty incredibly, too. He
0: was he got a pretty massive extension at UTSA. So should see him for a few more years at at least. In the MAC, we had Kent State versus Northern Illinois, another insane turnaround. Northern Illinois finished last year o and five, COVID shortened season. This year they are conference champions. Truly incredible. You know what else is incredible? You know Kent State had to win their last game of the season to get here. You know the team that they beat Miami of Ohio is 6 and 6 now they would have played for the MAC championship if they had won that game so it's really incredible in the MAC you can either win the championship or not even be bowl eligible like at toss of a hat <laughs> the MAC is a, is a great place northern illinois What a season for them. And Rocky Lombardi, too. Transfer quarterback, never really settled in at Michigan State. Um, Found his home, Northern Illinois. Worked out pretty well.
1: Hey, you guys say it all the time, some action, some good things to watch. And and that was, (laughs) like you said, (laughs) that was some action. And it's really interesting to see how volatile that conference can be year in and year out.
0: The Mountain West, we had a pretty big upset as well. Utah State with an incredible turnaround. Their first conference title since the 90s when they won the WAC. WAC doesn't even exist anymore. Now they are Mountain West champions in what has been just a truly incredible first season for Blake Anderson coming over from Arkansas State after everything that happened there. And... Uh, San Diego State was the favorite for a reason. They're a pretty fantastic team.
1: Utah State beat them fair and square. This game annoys me because the Air Force very easily could have beat both of these teams. Probably should have. Definitely should have beat Army. It's frustrating because we don't have a Mountain West championship yet. and My coach is my coach.
0: Moving on, we have
1: the Pac-12: Oregon versus Utah.
0: And you know, we said it. I keep saying this. I I have to keep saying this. It is very hard to beat a team twice in one year. Utah just dominated Oregon twice in one year. Pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, just the way these teams are built, man. Something about that Utah team just really doesn't match up well for the Ducks. But Utah gets the win. They're going to the Rose Bowl.
1: I, since you mentioned the Rose Bowl here, I'm actually really excited to see the Rose Bowl being a Pac-12 versus Big Ten team again. It's been a while since we've seen that. I'm excited that that's the thing again, uh, at least for this year. Um, in an oddly non-traditional, traditional matchup, if that makes sense. Uh, you've got the traditional sense being the Big Ten versus the Pac-12, but non-traditional that Utah is the Pac-12 representative. Um, in their first typically, ever- Rose Bowl. Yeah. Typically your Rose Bowl representatives from the Pac twelve have been UCLA and USC. USC. Yeah. <laughs> some Stanford in there. We'll give Stanford some love.
0: And um, Oregon and uh
1: yeah, Washington. Yeah. And yeah. None of these other teams, including Utah. Right. Can we Maybe. talk about Utah? Can we talk about Utah as the state of champions now? Sure. Because they just won the Mountain West and the Pac Twelve.
0: Good for them. <laughs> uh, the SEC happened. Alabama won by a lot. Jeez.
1: Georgia did not know there was a game. Right. Golly. Uh, Dude, there's so... something about Nick Saban coaching against his his um, understudies, for lack of a better term. Um, only one in his entire career has beaten Nick Saban. That was Jimbo Fisher this year. Uh, absolutely insane stat there for Alabama and honestly kind of scary
0: so the answer is to avoid the Nick Saban
1: head coaching rehabilitation program only if you want to beat Alabama if you're okay losing to Alabama he still makes really good coaches <laughs> he just obviously and clearly with withholds something so that way when he plays them he wins
0: Unbelievable. And we did already talk about this one a little bit, but the Sun Belt wraps it up for us. Louisiana winning back-to-back titles there. Appalachian State had a fantastic year as well, coming back to the title game again, but couldn't pull it out. Louisiana gets consecutive Sun Belt titles, loses their head coach because of it, but they'll be all right with that. (laughs) Fair trade.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll take a uh, Fun Bell championship banner. Right.
0: So that does it for the FBS Wild Weekend. You know, a couple of blowouts, but a couple of really fantastic games in there, too. Just had to dig for them a little bit, you know? FCS playoffs also happened. A couple of great games down there in the FCS, starting with Villanova and Holy Cross. This rivalry hasn't really been played in several years, kind of an old, old rivalry, but Villanova wins here, that Holy Cross defense, you know, can't over, you can't overcome the bad Holy Cross offense for an entire, another round of the playoff, so Villanova gets the win, ETSU with a one point win over Kennesaw State, moving on, Sam Houston pulls off the 49-42 win over Incarnate Word, Good showing for my boy, Cameron Ward. Couldn't hang in there. You know, at the end, happens. It's Sam Houston, longest winning streak in FCS right now. Actually, longest winning streak in all of Division One. Pretty incredible for Sam Houston. South Dakota State gets a win over Sacramento State. That's their second consecutive Big Sky victim. And, you know, maybe they'll do it again here because both Montana and Montana State are moving on after beating Eastern Washington and UT Martin, respectively. Montana, Eastern Washington, not a lot of defense in that one, 57-41. But Montana State was pretty stifling, holding UT Martin only seven points. North Dakota State beats on Southern Illinois, 38-7. Like Bug and I had said, that's a pretty pretty rough deal (laughs) if you're Southern Illinois. Having to win that game to get the opportunity to get beat by North Dakota State. We all kind of knew it was gonna happen. And then James Madison kinda of, kinda of dismantled southeastern Louisiana. I don't know any better way to say that. Fifty nine to twenty. That's your only real blowout
1: of this round. I do want to talk about here uh the ETSU kind of saw a state matchup. Man, ETSU won this game by one point, but what they don't tell you is they scored 15 points in the final minute and a half of that game. Right. Like, what a right. comeback. What a way to pull that one out. Absolutely insane. And it sets up some great matchups for, for next week. I think ETSU is the new lucky winner of the congrats. You won a game. You get to play North Dakota State. Uh, Villanova's taking on South Dakota State, and I forget the other two matchups off the top of my head. Well, we can't just leave it there. I know. I, we we gotta gotta go find. I didn't write it down because
0: I'm an idiot. But we have Montana versus James Madison and Montana State versus Sam Houston. So, yeah, ETSU, so we're, we're, North Coast State.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> Another Fargo Dome victim, ETSU, maybe. Um, South Coast I, State going all the way out to Pennsylvania, though. Pretty interesting to face yep. Villanova. No games out in Montana. James Madison and Sam Houston are hosting. Be a fun
1: weekend in the FCS this weekend. Definitely some telling telling scores will come out of this one.
0: Dude, how crazy would it be if you get Montana versus Montana State and North Dakota State versus South Dakota State as
1: <laughs> your semifinal? Unfortunately, that's not the way the brackets are set up, so if <sighs> Montana State wins, they're going to take on South Dakota State. South Dakota State wins, and Montana would take on North Dakota State. Still, it's a
0: fun scenario i built in
1: my head. Let me live in the dream. But what that means, Doug, is you could have a Montana-Montana State championship or a Dakota marker championship. So your fun setup is not exactly wrong, just not in the next round.
0: I know, but I want both of those rivalries, and I only get to pick one, so... And it's probably not even going to happen. It's probably going to be Sam Houston, James Madison. Let's be real. So, you know, here's what it is. Facts. <laughs> but pretty great round of the playoffs. One more round and then get down and dirty with it. I mean, goodness, coming up on. Uh, this is a huge playoff, honestly. Why can't the FBS do this? Why is it so hard?
1: Because they the
0: don't money.
1: Because they don't want to get rid of the bowl system because money. Correct. Yeah. Sad. Sad
0: I don't get why I can't
1: just allow all of these bowls to just sponsor these games, man. You could do this with the same result. And you could keep them all neutral site, which is even better. Is it better, though? I... For championship games, I think it like as you get closer into the playoffs, I like the idea of neutral sites better. Yes. As you get deep, maybe not the first round like they're talking about with with the potential playoff. But as you get deeper into it, I appreciate the neutral site.
0: Give me a 2014 playoff for the first two rounds at home campuses.
1: and I'm fine with that. And when I say neutral site, understand, I don't mean neutral site like Georgia playing Alabama in Atlanta. In Atlanta. That is not a <laughs> neutral site game. Or Hawaii playing a neutral site game against whoever they're playing in the Hawaii Bowl. Like, those are not neutral sites. Right,
0: Boise State playing in the Idaho Potato Bowl. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Or we get, you know, Ohio State playing in Indianapolis just because that's technically neutral site. A two-hour drive (laughs) and (laughs) whatever. Oh, man. We can dream. It won't happen this year. Might happen by 2025, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Whatever, ESPN sucks. Um, Not too much to get into with the NFL. We had a very short week, so try to keep this pretty short for you. Bug picked the Ravens-Steelers. It was really kind of a dirty, ugly game. Steelers did pull it out. Didn't look good. I don't think either team really looked good.
1: No, neither team really looked good in that one. It was a rough game on all accounts.
0: And it sounds like Big Ben might be retiring. So that'd be great for the Steelers, honestly, at this point.
1: We were all surprised when he came back last year. I don't know why it's a surprise that he's retiring this year.
0: It's a surprise because he's so cryptic and no one ever knows what he's going to do. So he comes back, he leaves, either way. What? Where'd this come from? (laughs) Uh, my game to watch was the Washington football team up against the Las Vegas Raiders. Almost to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. But This ain't hockey, baby. This is NFL football. We got the Las Vegas Raiders, who, yeah, don't no, look very good. I'll um, say neither does Washington. This was another kind of bad game. But Washington wins by five points, and that means I was right about one of the games but, but family's yeah. not
1: right about either of the games
0: yeah just not a good week for the nfl for us we put all of our energy into college last week so happens you now at least teddy bridgewater had a decent ish showing it's not like he threw five picks or anything so i mean that's plus i guess <laughs> my period to watch <laughs> didn't
1: didn't suck <laughs> since i i i didn't pick a game because i'm a terrible person can i can i use this moment to talk about something real quick sure do you know how frustrating it is for my team to be as streaky as it is like normally yes. when you're saying it normally when you're saying a team's going into the buy sub five hundred it's not a good thing but for miami to be going into the buy at six and seven after starting the season one and seven is a fantastic thing and i hate it I hate everything about this season.
0: Fair enough, understandable. You know, Dolphins do that to you. It's so annoying. (laughs) Um, yeah, Merry Christmas. You're six and seven, so. (laughs) And we play the Jets after the bye week. I can totally see you guys going ten and seven, and missing the playoffs.
1: I I am fully mentally prepared for that this year. Like I want that known. That is now my prediction, is Miami's going to somehow run the table. And I can explain this because we have the Jets, we have the Saints, two very winnable games. We have the Titans, who don't know how to play bad teams. and, well, then we and have the they're also, they're without Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and everybody still, so. And then we have the Patriots at home, and the Patriots don't know how to play in Miami. They haven't for a few years. Even Tom Brady's last few years have been bad in Miami. So Miami very reasonably could go 10-7, and seven, but just to add the icing on the cake, they will miss the playoffs this year. I am putting it on the podcast, my prediction for the rest of the year is Miami runs the table and misses the playoffs.
0: I'm thinking you do finish above 500, which 500 is impossible anymore, but 9-8, and 10-7, one of those, No, it's not. the
1: playoffs. it's not impossible. It's possible oh. for both the Steelers and the Lions. Well, not the Lions anymore. They've lost 10 games. Well, that's true. So it's possible for the Steelers.
0: Gosh, can you imagine that going 8-8-1? Eight, eight, How miserable that would be. That was a lot I'll of people's prediction sure to... for the Cardinals this year, and they're about to be the number one seed in the NFC.
1: And <laughs> the NFL. I know. Wild. Would have been the Titans, but then Derrick Henry got hurt. Sucks to suck. Hey, Titans are still number two in the uh, AFC playoff race. Football sucks ever since the game, so... I, 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 dude, I, I know how you feel. Involved. I know how you feel. I was there five weeks ago when Miami could not beat any team in the NFL. It's not. It's not, it's not. quite the same, and I'm not going to. But but I understand where football is just not fun to watch anymore. That's what I'm saying. I I can sympathize too.
0: I'm gonna go on record
1: and say I'm probably not watching the Rose Bowl.
0: Rose Bowl is feels empty and meaningless right now. And it's not because what? it's a it's not just because football is no fun. It's because it feels like we didn't earn the Rose Bowl this year. And I hate that and I don't want to
1: ruin the Rose Bowl by winning it. So, I'm I'm going to take a different perspective because I understand why you think the Rose Bowl is feels empty. It's because you are very tied to what the Rose Bowl was, what it should be, the, the tradition of it. The issue is since the college football playoff came into existence and you haven't had those traditional matchups, you don't need to be the Big Ten champion anymore to go. You can be from literally any school anywhere, just depending on when that time falls in. It, it, it takes away from it. It does.
0: I don't think you're entirely understanding me. I don't care if we were a four-loss team. But we have one loss to the wrong team. dude. So, we're going <laughs> <we're gonna laughs> to We're gonna We're going to wrap up the show. Next episode, we're going to have our final edition of the Heisman Winners Bracket. Need your help on Twitter and on Instagram. Vote in our final poll. You guys are deciding who's the number one Heisman winner of all time. And we'll come in and rank the rest of the top four in order from two, three, and four. Right? So those four in contention are four finalists here. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Barry Sanders. Three recent quarterbacks. And then, boom. Running back from the '80s comes in and hits you like a freight train with 39 rushing touchdowns on the
1: ground and some kick and return he,
0: touchdowns to boot.
1: Whew. And he will hit you like a freight train.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> so four in uh, just incredible seasons for these guys, and four incredible athletes as well. Four pretty solid NFL careers so far, too. I mean, even Baker Mayfield, everyone hates on it, but. Got Cleveland their first playoff win, technically in franchise history since they came back. So pretty <laughs> I'm, awesome.
1: I'm I'm not telling everyone who to vote for, but I would be voting for Barry Sanders. I
0: mean, you know. <laughs> hard to dispute. Let's let's <laughs> see what they say on Twitter and Instagram. So on Twitter, it's at BDT football. Instagram, it's at BDT underscore football. You can also find us on Facebook, hit us up on there to vote somehow, you know, if you wanted to, that's facebook.com slash BDTFootball. You can also just search Big Dudes in the Trenches on all these platforms. You can find us pretty easily that way. We do have a website as well, BDTFootball.com. We have an email address. You can find a website, mailbox at BDTFootball.com. Any way that you want to reach out to us, there there are options. Uh, I do have a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash BDTFootball, where you can get you know some pretty cool things. We have a Discord server set up if you guys want to hop in and talk to us. Maybe get your votes in faster that way too. So yep. pretty, pretty wide open ways you can reach out to us and talk some football. We're always down to do that.
1: And I think
0: that's going to do it for me. Do you have anything to
1: add here before we wrap this I- up? I do. It's a small joke regarding my personal life here. Um, I started refing this weekend, right? Uh, and it took me—I'm refing hockey. I know it doesn't really relate, but work with me here. Um, it took me until the third period to be chirped by a 12-year-old that I'm basically Helen Keller. Um, he was sitting there talking on the bench about how the ref can't see anything. Like I'm right there, dude. I hear you. Dude, sitting there saying how I—I I can't see it and how I'm missing all these calls. And then he goes, oh, he must be deaf, too, because he can't hear me. Um, So I am officially a referee because I have been called both blind and deaf in my first game. It took until the third period, though, so that's a new record, probably. (laughs) So so I am your Helen Keller hockey referee. Fantastic. (laughs) But with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening. And just remember. You can't win a game if you can't win the country. That's why we are-